Kia ora. Um, uh, um, just gathering myself, uh, that worship. Uh, thank you for the worship, guys. I was talking to James beforehand going, I really don't know what kind of head space I'm in, but thankfully we have worship and that can centre me. And it did, so that's good. Uh, we'll still see what happens, but... Uh, oh, can I have the... Uh, if it's working? Okay, that's all right. I hope you've got your Bibles with you because we're going to go through a lot of Scripture. So our series that we've been going through over the last, since the beginning of the year, um, is going deeper and talking about um, going deeper with God and what that means and, and how we do it. Um, and so the central verse that we've been building this around is Psalm 1. And so I'm just going to quickly read a part of Psalm 1. So, Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the comp- company of mockers. It's, it's, it's funny, every time I, I hear that, I think of the band, the mockers. I think of sitting with them, so it's just, anyway, <laughs> random. Uh, but those who delight in the law of the Lord, and those who meditate on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they may, what, uh, whatever they do prospers. So, ah, thank you. And what I want to focus in on here is, but those who delight in the law of the Lord. So James talked about it last week. It was really great, that, that sense about how we delight in the Lord and how we delight in His law. And I think for me, the thing I've been thinking about and the thing that came to mind uh, when James was talking was that delighting in the law of the Lord is not just reading it and meditating on it, but it's doing it. And then if we jump forward to Micah, uh, is this, how are we going? Am I turned on? Yes, it's on. Oh, well, there you go. Thank you. Um, so in Micah, like this, this whole piece of Scripture here, uh, the, the prophet is basically having a bit of a go at Israel. And in it, the word from the Lord is this. And the word through the prophet is, Has he shown you, O mortal, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your Lord. So... The, the criticism that, my, that the Lord had through Micah was that, that Israel wasn't doing this. They weren't acting justly. They weren't loving mercy. And so there's this, um, and there's this narrative right throughout the Old Testament and about in, in God's relationship with Israel where he talks about um, and where, where there's this story about how they, they sacrifice but they don't um, do, as it were, and so there's this, there's this sense in which, and there's the, you know, in Psalms it goes, you, you, do, you don't desire sacrifice, you desire a contrite heart. So there's this sense in which the story of God is the story of him working with people to act, to do and act his will in the world. And if we pull right back, right back to the whole kind of arc of the Bible, in the beginning, God makes the heavens and the earth and he makes people to be his co-regents 
in the world, to be his stewards, to, to represent the worship of creation back to him and to represent his will back to the world. That's the story in the first couple of books of Genesis. But people decide that they would rather be and receive that worship themselves. They want to be in the place of God. So they rebel against him. And sin and death enter into the world. And we have this broken relationship. But God still wants to work with his people to fulfil his holy plan for creation. If you jump all the way to the end of the Bible, you see Revelation and you see this people in living and working in harmony with God to steward the earth. And so, and in between, you see there are people who walk with God and walk faithfully and do this, and there are people who do it and try and fall, and there are people who just rebel against it all the time. And, and that's part of that story with Israel as they kind of go through these cycles of being God's people and falling away from it and then um, essentially coming under rebuke and curse and then going back to God and going to be his people again in the world. And then Jesus comes and changes everything. I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, I could... It's been ages talking about it, but I've got a, a particular purpose here. But, but Jesus comes in this incredible act of service. He, it's so funny, right? Zoe sent me a text this morning and said, Is there any, are there any psalms or verses you'd like me to read out or shall I just go rogue? And I said, go rogue. And so I'm going to get to it a little bit later but I was planning to, I'm planning to just talk a little bit about the verses, the couple of verses in Philippians that come right after the bit that she read. Um, and, but in that part in Philippians, if we turn to it, I don't have, the, have it up there. Um, we have this incredible poem that, that Paul shares with the Philippians. Uh, can never remember the order of them. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. There we go. <laughs> Who be, so in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who in being very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I mean, it's just epic. It's just such a, 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 an epic piece of poetry and scripture. So I'm going to return to that. But where I wanted to, the central verse, I guess, for this for me today is Ephesians 2. Which we have here. So there's a lot there. I'm going to read all of this because I just think it's so good. 
and, and this is Paul talking to the church in Ephesus, but I also feel like it's Paul talking to us and, God, and clearly God talking to us as well. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live and you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them, Sorry, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even though we were dead in, our, in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ to be and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable richness of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works for which God prepared us in advance for us to do. So, service. And I, I want to, I'm, I'm labouring the point really. God made the world, he made us to be, to, for a, a role, to, to have a job, as it were, in the world. But he also made us to operate from a particular place to do that work. He didn't want us to operate, to, to do that work in our own strength, for our own glory, for our own um, purposes. He made us to work and partner with him for his glory, out of his strength and for his purposes. So we are, I mean, that, that, I love that bit at the end, right? For we've been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand so we could do them. So he made us to be his partners. He made us to be his people, to be his agents in the world, to be the agents of his kingdom, uh, to, to share the gospel like Judah did on Friday, to, to feed the poor, to serve each other like we're going to do at lunchtime, to, to care and love for one another and to be the the visible presence of the love and hope and peace of God in this world. And so the context of our good works is God's prior good work and his ongoing good work. So that we can't boast, not only in our salvation, but also in the doing of the work. It's for him and for his glory that we do this. Uh, and... Jumping to Philippians, to that wonderful passage that Zoe read out, just after that passage, in Philippians 12, 2.12, so we hear this great poem, right? This, this great uh, story about Jesus humbling himself and becoming a servant. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and act in, a, uh, in order to fulfill his good purpose. So again, there's, a, there's this 
we're to follow the therefore there is well, because Jesus has done all of this, let us now work out our faith, but not again in our own strength because he is in us to, to guide us, to inspire us, to give us the strength. Uh, you know, the, sometimes opportunities for service don't come at a time that's convenient. Uh, uh, they don't come at a time that, that really works according to my plan. Uh, and I have a choice in that moment to do, to not do anything, to do something but do it in my own strength and probably be a little bit grumbly about it, or to do it in God's strength and probably still be a little bit grumbly about it, but at least I can grumble to God about it. <laughs> you know, so, so I think there's a sense in which we can, there's, there's this inner work that he does in us. So we've talked about worship, we've talked about delighting in the Lord, you know, and there's, this, there's a sense and there's this dynamic relationship that goes on. And we relate to God and, and he comes to meet us where we are, which is just incredible. Um, like uh, just in the worship, right, I was just, I, I lost it a little bit. Um, because God met me there, unexpectedly. I mean, I guess I should expect it, but, you know, but anyway. The, the, but it's not just for us. Absolutely, it is for us. It is for you. He wants to meet with you. He loves you. He, he wants to be with you. He wants to hear from you. But also, he's making us to make the world the way he wants it to be. He's working in us to advance his kingdom. And, and that's what he made us for, to be the, those um, co-regents, those those. Uh, you know, under his authority to go forth as his agents, as his family. And that's pretty awesome. And I think there's just, we're going to, uh, thank you for moving the slides forward for me. Um, in James, right, so there's this thing that gets talked about when people talk about service and works and all that kind of stuff. And, and, we, and, and I think... When I get to this scripture, it's building, for me, it's coming from all those other ones. But James is pretty blunt. Um, this James can be pretty blunt too, but I'm not talking about him. Um, yeah, yeah, James Blunt is especially blunt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, <clears throat> no, I swear that we're having. Um, okay, so... So in this, James is talking about faith and deeds. And he, he, he talks about, you know, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? And I, I like his, his example. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and a, and a, and a daily, daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, peace, keep warm and be well fed, but does nothing for their physical needs, what good is it? And it's just, just it's, it's not... Like sometimes, and I've read this as kind of a rebuke or, you know, kind of, and it is meant that way. But actually, it's just, I mean, yeah, it, it is. It's like, you know, I need help. Good, go in peace and get help. Hang on. What are we here for? We're here for each other. In John, when Jesus prays about the disciples and about the church, he says, by your love for one another, the world will know you. So if we're not demonstrating our love for one another, how is the world going to know us? 
And so if we want to be light bearers, hope bringers, carriers of mercy, doers of justice, we, we actually have to go and do those things. If you want to bring the light, you have to bring the light. If you want to bear, you know, carry hope, you have to carry hope. You have to pass it on. And the wonderful thing about God is he's got an endless reservoir of these things. It's not like I, I need to give these things out of my own strength. I think one of the things I find um, uh, in, in my work is I'm increasingly realising that a part of my job in the workplace is to be a hope bringer. Because I just find a lot of people, I mean, it's not just because of work, but a lot of people that you encounter in the workplace don't have a lot of hope. I do a lot of work in the public sector and people, there's this kind of general low-level sort of level of nervousness about just being restructured out of a job. It goes on all the time. I worked in one government department department for nine years and I had, there were nine restructures in those nine years. And there were two and a half years where there were none. So there were like, I think one year there were three. So, and they were the whole organisation each time. So it, it, but people, and I, I find for me, it's not like I bang on about it or anything, but I just, I have this hope inside me that there is more to, more to life than this. There's, there's more to the world than what I see. There's, God is with me. He is, his love is, he is for me. He's with me in that place and that I can stand in hope. Part of what I do is change, help organisations change. People freak out about changing because it feels like even if it's not about their jobs, if they've got to change the way they work, well then what are they, you know, how, how do they do that? And when I've been doing this for the last 30 years and now you want me to change it? It's hard. It's hard for people. And a, a huge part of the work is just to be that hopeful, non-anxious presence in that place so that they can feel peace and hope. And I don't get that from me. You know, I would probably just be generally a bit depressed all the time if it wasn't for God. Um, so I think, you know, that, that I find it odd sometimes that I can walk into a situation and speak hope and peace into it I, I, some, I mean, there were, there were times in my last job it was very, very stressful and, and, and quite difficult. And there were times when I was saying things, I'm like, I don't even know where this is coming from because I don't feel like this. But it's true. It's still the truth. And so I think there's this, there's this, this, this way, when I talk about service, there's so many things that can mean. It can mean helping your congregation it can mean helping the people around you. It can mean grand things like going and being a missionary overseas for, for 30 or 40 years. And it can mean small things like sharing a, a word of hope with someone on a Friday night. And it can mean, um, you know, just, it, it, it just, or just acting in love and giving someone something. Helping someone meet a need. Doesn't always have to be about the gospel. Sometimes it's actually just about helping people. Actually, mostly it's just about helping people. Um, and, and I guess my experience is that people won't care about your words until they see your deeds. I've, um, Marty, uh, 
way back when I first started coming here, I remember him saying to me that you need to earn the right to be heard. You've got to uh, demonstrate what's in your heart but what you do before people will listen to what you say. That was, I think it was the, the first time he asked me to speak and I asked him why he asked me to speak. And he was saying, well, what I do is I watch people. You've been coming here for a while and you get here early and you put out the chairs and the tables and you stay late and you make coffee. I can see that you want to serve. And so maybe you can serve like this as well. And so there's that sense in which the, what we do in the world shows what we believe about the world, about God and about us. And it's not always visible to us because I was quite surprised by that. I'm like, well, isn't this just what you do? I mean, I'm not, not trying to make myself sound humble or anything. It was just like, oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Um, it's, it's that sense in which we, we... And the thing I've found for me, uh, and I'd like to say I've had some wonderful life of service. I don't necessarily think I have. But when... I'd make those choices to step out and help someone to... And often, if, even if it's not an inconvenient time, sometimes it still feels kind of risky. That in those moments, I feel like I know God more. As I go... I mean, I, I think probably if we looked at... You know, so I work in business, right? And you measure everything. If I measured my faithfulness to doing what God's telling me to do, I think um, probably in the margin of error, like 0.1% of doing it when he tells me, and 99.01% in the 10 minutes later going, geez, I should have done that. <laughs> but, you know, hopefully, hopefully, that, hopefully it's moving this way over time, right? But it, 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 in that, there's that, that, that moment where you go, I just, you, can, you get a little bit of his, his heart in that. There's a video, um, Heidi Baker, who's a, uh, I think she's still a missionary in Africa, isn't she? There's this great video that we watched some time ago, and, and she just said, just love the one in front of you. It's not hard. Just love the one in front of you. He loved us. He first loved us. He has first done a good work in us. Just love the one in front of you. Just serve the one in front of you, what that, whatever that is, whatever that looks like. What does it mean for me for service? I um, probably the, the the three things that stand out for me are I am often someone who gets a little bit trapped inside my own head, thinking about things and stirring them around and all that kind of stuff and and kind of oh, you know just anything could be all sorts of stuff. And what I find is when actually when I when I see something to do and go and do it, it just takes me outside of myself. And it just helps me to reconnect with, with the world, right? And, and it helps me to, if I'm feeling anxious or down, it stops me to be dwelling on feeling anxious or down. And if I, if I focus on other people and their needs, sometimes mine don't seem quite as big a deal. Um, it's it definitely taught me to be humble. Um, and I think... So I guess in terms of practical things to take away from this, there's a couple. One is we are called to a dynamic faith. We're called to a dynamic relationship with God 
a relationship that grows and evolves over time as we listen to his words and delight in them and do them. Part of doing, delighting in them is doing them. And it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It's, it, it can be as simple as buying someone a coffee or giving some money to someone who's begging on the street or sitting down and having a chat with them or, um, or being there for someone who's having some trouble, whether it's at work or at home or a friend or whatever, taking some time with them. Taking, taking someone out for lunch or take, having people over for lunch. It doesn't have, it's not a, a big thing, but at the same time, each of those things adds up. It all, it's all about, there's this sort of relationship, and I had meant to draw a picture actually, but I obviously didn't, you know, where we, we go from encountering God and him changing us to encountering the world, and that then... Um, it's kind of like a feedback loop almost, and then we learn from that and we take that back to God. And so there's this kind of virtuous cycle that we can get into where we listen and do and see, and then we can take that back to God and listen and do and see. And the thing that I think is really cool, you know, I, t- I talked about that big picture and this is speculation, so you know, this isn't in Scripture, but I was thinking about the holy community that's in the new heaven and the new earth. Because I like to speculate. I think that's just think it's, that's one of the things that really captivates me. I think about, well, what will it be like when we're there? And, and I think one of the things in our brokenness, one of the things we really struggle with as a part of our human condition is, is actually being truly other-focused. Because if I'm going to truly focus on someone else, I have to step back from what I need so that I can focus on them. Because if I'm bringing what I need to my focus on them, then it's kind of, it's going to shape how I listen, how I hear, what I see, what I do. And so in our broken world, I think people do that, but there's, there's always this kind of trust thing. Like, well, should, I, should I actually go all out? But imagine a community where, because we're all filled with the love of God and the resources of God, that we can, I can totally focus on other people because everyone else is focusing on me. I don't, that sounds a bit narcissistic. I don't mean it that way. But if we've got a community where everyone is focused on making sure that everyone is good and not worrying about themselves, how different would that be to live? Wouldn't it be cool if we could just see and be a part of a small drop of that now? You know, we say, your kingdom come. And I think we mean that in two ways, right? They'll clearly come, Lord Jesus, come back like you said you would and, and finish your work and make the new heaven and the new earth. Absolutely, that's part of what we mean. But also, your kingdom come now in some way can this act of service be a small piece of your kingdom right now? Can we get a taste of that future now? The taste of that, that thing that you're taking us all towards now. And I think that's, that's, that's something to get out and 
do. So, um, uh, and the other thing I look at, and this is a closing thing, right, is that all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, when the, the call to service uh, is, is laid out before the people of Israel with, uh, or before the, the body of Christ, look after the poor and the widow among you. So, you know, just have that in mind. How am I looking out for those people? Uh, look at how am I looking out for, you know, if I think about a modern, a more modern take on that, will we still have the poor with us and there are still widows, but also there are people who are, just look for the people who are isolated, who need community, who are, um, need help with something, whatever that is. Because we, as a community and a body of believers, can get behind can get behind that. And I guess that's the other challenge I would say to us as a, as a body. If, if someone says, hey, there's this person who needs help, that they would feel they can come back to us as a body and we would gather around and help. Because that's part of what we're called to do. Serve the world. Come on.